and welcome to this first ever episode of the Rocktober All Over the World podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Ritchie from the Colorado Rockies UK, and on this first ever episode, we'll be joined by DMVR's Drew Creaseman and Padres fan Alex Sod as we look back on the first week of the new MLB season and then look ahead to this weekend series against the San Diego Padres at Coors Field. So, We'll kick the show off by having a listen to the chat that I had with uh, Drew Creaseman from DMVR. So I'm delighted to welcome Drew Creaseman from DMVR Rockies to the Rocktober All Over the World podcast. Drew, thanks a lot for taking your time to come on today. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. So, I mean, first of all, it's been a pretty strange last few months. How have they been for you? Well, pretty strange. I think that's the... <laughs> you've summed it up there well. Uh, yeah, it's... It's been pretty bizarre, you know, because we're a digital company at DNVR and I do so much work from home anyway, there have been certain elements of it that like writing articles and doing podcasts has been norm, right? But obviously, typically at this time, I'm covering baseball games. I'm going down to Coors Field and, and sometimes going out on the road and there hasn't been any of that. And then the strangest thing has actually been as it's come back now, not being able to walk through the clubhouse and talk to the guys, everything being done on Zoom, um, which totally changes the nature of like media scrums and whether or not you, you can get certain kind of quotes out of people. And then obviously, you know, watching these games with nobody in the stands and these cardboard cutouts and everything has felt, you know, so bizarre. And uh, I think the saving grace of it for me has been obviously that the Colorado Rockies are playing so well. So, right, we can we can at least use it as a as an escape right now and just enjoy those few hours of the day when the ball game is on are you guys going to be in the press box once the rockies return home or do you have to still be at home like the rest of us yeah so my understanding of the rules uh are for the first series is that they only want one person in there from each beat at a time so i'll be down there uh with patrick will not be allowed in <laughs> sadly uh for that first series, but I'll be there for opening day. Um, there were a couple of days for those intra-squad games at Coors Field where we were down there, we're in the press box. Um, and it's really bizarre to be in a stadium that can pack 50,000 people in, if you, if you pack it in. I've been in there when, when it's totally jam-packed and be one of maybe 70 people in the building watching the game, it's it's pretty bizarre. So, uh, Thomas, I'll, I'll have to give you an update once it actually counts and and they're really going in. Because I haven't been in when they've had the, the cutouts yet. That'll be new when I get down there on Friday. And um, they were kind of playing with the crowd noise, but I don't think we had seen the full throttle what they plan to do. So uh, the, the sounds in Oakland were terrible. I didn't mind it in Texas. Oakland, I don't know what that was. It sounded like small children on a roller coaster all day and it was horrible so the sound the players can hear this sound then because for our sports in this country right. it's just being put on the tv but you'll be able to hear it in oh. the stadium fascinating yes yes that we could hear it in the stadium and there there's something too even you know the way that players will respond to noise in, in a stadium so it'll be interesting to see how it plays on them a little bit but yeah it is it's fascinating too, especially because there's so many of those, you know, little interactive sounds that they'll do. So they'll do like the clap, 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 clap. And then no one's there. And so then nothing happens. And you're like, you know, back in the day, we'd all gone too low, but everywhere else, they just clap twice. Dead silence is so eerie, Thomas. It's so eerie. And so, I mean, I suppose we have to touch on it. We've seen what's happening with the Marlins and now, potentially spreading to the Phillies with their coach and clubhouse attendant. I mean, I mean, what, what do you think will happen now with baseball over the next couple of weeks? The, the West seems pretty unaffected at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, you hope to some degree that the people who just haven't been around that contamination yet can stay away, that we can isolate certainly the Marlins you feel for the Phillies now that they're starting to have this a little bit too. It sounds like, you know, they did everything they were supposed to do. They just happened to be playing Marlins who didn't do any of the things that they were supposed to do. Uh, and then, so then the question comes, you know, how far does it reach? I really hope that major league baseball can be proactive about this and figure out a way to isolate the, 
the teams and then people that need to be isolated while not doing too much weirdness with the schedule. Um, I think they're going to try to find a way to go through, especially as long as it's mostly one or two teams and they feel like they can isolate it. If it starts to come, as you mentioned, to the West, uh, you know, especially if it makes that kind of jump, if there's another outbreak over there, you could start seeing more of a call for like, are we even doing the right thing here? Should we shut things down? Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but I mean, we'll talk about, talk about what good has been happening and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I thought the Rockies could be good and should be a lot better than they were last year. But I mean, I suppose from the are the Rockies actually good now? Is I mean, that's kind of the basic question. Yeah, right. Are the Rockies good? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that they are. Uh, you know, I've thought that this team was better than its consensus for a long time, which is strange because there was a very short period of time last year when people actually thought, oh, maybe they will be good, and then they weren't. Um, as I've said several times before, I really, I look at not just 2017 and 2018, but I go back even to halfway through 2016, where we started to see basically this new version of the team emerge. That's when John Gray uh, and Herman Marquez were called up and made their debuts. Uh, we saw David Dahl at the end of that season. That was the year that Trevor Story made his debut and looked like he was going to be rookie of the year until he got hurt. So 26, the end, you know, a lot of 2016, you saw this great sort of step forward for the franchise. And then you look at 17 and 18, they were obviously very good. And for the first half of 19, they were above average. They had two months where they were just the worst. And I just don't think it's sustainable. It coincided with Nolan Arenado being hurt and putting up the worst month of his entire career, every single one of their pitchers going down. There was just a lot that happened last year. And, and I think, and I get why Rockies fans want to recoil back into this. Oh, we were fooled into thinking they were good. 2017 and 2018 were flukes. 2019 is who they truly are. When I believe wholeheartedly and always had that the opposite is true. 2019 was flukish and weird. So what's happening right now is not just, Hey, the Rockies are off to a hot start. They're actually not. You dive into the numbers, like nobody's hitting over 300. No one's like on a big hitting streak or, you know, at three or four or five home runs yet. Uh, none of the pitchers have absolutely dominated. They've just all, now the bullpens look great. That's the one thing I think where everybody turns and goes, whoa, what's going on there? And, I, and I'm with you. I'm like, wow, okay. A little surprised by that. The rest of it, I'm not surprised at all that Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, David Dahl can hit. I'm not at all surprised that those guys can play defense. I'm not at all surprised that John Gray, Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland can pitch. I've been saying all offseason that Antonio Sensatello is going to be that next guy, and it looks like he might be. The only question was the bullpen. So if it's going to look like this, yeah, it's a good ball club. Don't don't freak yourself out. It's just a good team. Yeah, I mean, we've got to talk about the pitching, I suppose. I mean, Herman has looked like Herman, but, I mean, for me, Kyle Freeland, you know, he came out and he looked – I mean, I thought he would be better than last year, but for me, he looked even better than I thought he would. I mean, obviously, cause could – a different challenge but I mean there was a lot of room for optimism there with Kyle in particular it looked almost you know back to where we've seen him previously right right and you know you don't expect him to to dominate like he did in 2018 but you're 100% right Thomas I, I thought you know hey you'll accept if he can come out and get you through four or five solid innings maybe he gives up three what you don't want him doing is giving up five or six you don't want him giving up the big home run that was something last year his change up uh, and his fastball were just floating over the middle of the plate on him. He was giving up just these monster shot home runs, especially in the first half. And none of that, you know, uh, there a couple of runs came in, but he, he absolutely pitched like that. They will take that outing from him every single time out. And I agree. It didn't just look like, oh, he's kind of getting through this game. It, it looked like Kyle Freeland of old. It looked like purposeful pitching that will produce those kinds of results more often than not. And we've seen the top four guys so far. Do you think who's the fifth guy? Are you thinking that'll be Chi-Chi? You know, it, it's funny. I was really thinking that in the early going here, I would get a sense of that because somebody would have to, one of the starters would have to come out early, which hasn't really happened. And uh, then we would see who Bud Black turned to first. And that would give us the clue. If it was Chi-Chi Gonzalez or Jeff Hoffman, uh, then we would think that guy's probably going to be the fifth starter unless he goes out there and gets shelled in which case probably going to be the other guy um 
but it's been Daniel Bard. And we haven't even seen Ashton Goodell at all. Uh, I think there's three pitchers in the bullpen who haven't pitched at all. And Carlos Estevez has pitched in four of the five games. So Buddy's playing a win and not showing his cards about like, so these guys are fresh. Chi-Chi, Hoffman, Goodell. Uh, I don't think we've seen Pazos yet out of the pen either. All totally fresh. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see um, who they throw out there for the fifth starter because none of those guys who are, are starter built, Hoffman, Gonzalez, and, and Goudeau, have thrown live innings in quite some time. So we'll see you know, if they need to use them out of the bullpen here in this first series with the Padres before they'll truly need their uh, fifth starter against the Giants. And then you mentioned how you know, incredible the bullpen has been, really. Um, to some extent, do you think it has been addition by subtraction with Shaw and McGee going? It's hard to deny that. I mean, I, I don't want to take away credit from the way, particularly Daniel Bard and Yancy Almonte and some of these guys lower on the depth chart of pitch. I expected good things out of Diaz, Estevez. You weren't sure what you were going to get out of Wade Davis, and you're probably still not totally sure what you're going to get out of Wade Davis. Um, like the early signs on Kinley, but yeah, I mean, they just ungunked the bullpen, didn't they? The going, being able to go to any of them, being able to ride the hot hand when Almonte is good the first time. So you can throw him back out there again, because you don't have to worry about, Oh, we're paying Shaw X million or we're paying McGee or just those guys have a certain amount of experience and a certain amount of, you go back to their resumes and it's all out the window. You can just, whoever's pitching best gets to play. So yeah, I think that's a big element. And do you think for the bullpen in particular, this, I mean, obviously the 1.32 ERA or whatever it is probably isn't sustainable, but do you think this ability to close games out is, I mean, we've still got Scott Oberg to, Oberg, sorry, uh, to come back, of course, but from the guys like Bard and Kinley, do you think they can sustain this level of performance through a 60-game season? Probably not quite this level, but I'll tell you what, Bard isn't getting his success from random luck either or from guys just kind of standing in a little bit of awe of his story or any of that Bard is getting his success out of 99 on the edges and a wicked changeup that's really throwing dudes off and so yeah he's I think he's gonna have success this year uh Kinley was always a guy I had coming in doing well here uh, I think that that's going to continue so yeah I like you said the, the ERA is going to come up they're going to allow some runs uh, you know, Diaz and Estevez in particular keep allowing a lot of base runners and then wriggling out of damage, which is not something you want to see too often. But I think they have the, the makings of one of the stronger bullpens in the National League, especially once Oberg returns and they can really settle in there. And then, I mean, we talk about the bats. That's normally the strength of the Rockies, you know, stereotypically over the years, that's been the strength. But I mean, what have you made of them so far? They're not haven't seemed to have fired on all cylinders yet, but, you know, they've managed to do enough to grind out four wins. Yeah, I think with the offense, I'm much more impressed by approach, obviously, than results so far. I, I really like the way they're grinding out at-bats. Almost every single starter has been at 90 pitches in the fifth inning or, or more. They've been forcing guys out early. They've been getting into bullpens. They've been finding success against those bullpens. It doesn't lead to a lot of runs because it means you've got to stand there and look at strike one a lot of times. And, you know, that can, that can throw off your at bat. Uh, and I'll say this too, basically one through five, I'm not worried about any of those guys. Their numbers will come up from where they are now. That's Dahl, Story, Blackman, Notto, Murphy. The young guys at the bottom are the guys who've been a little, little bit of a slump, and I think you just figure it out. You know, Hilliard showing you the pop that he has. I think most people know what Ryan McMahon can do and see this for what it is, a little bit of a slump to start the season. A lot of people aren't sold on either Toppy or Hampson. Having both of them is a nice thing so that you can just choose between them. Uh, but that's the bottom part. And then Walters has actually been fantastic. He's maybe the guy who's in the best rhythm so far in the season. So – uh, I think the big thing is that guys are going to slump here and there. Guys, young guys, uh, you know, the, the veterans are going to slump here and there too. If you maintain this approach where you're seeing four or five pitches in at bat, you're forcing the other guys to really work. You're getting into those bullpens. They're going to find a lot of offensive success this season. And I mean, one guy who has struggled a lot has been Chris Owings. I mean, when do you think we'll see, Brendan Rodgers, I mean, he seems to be the likely candidate that Rodgers would replace. 
Yeah, you know, I think that'll be a little bit. And this is one of those things where, again, I, as a reporter, I'm at a, a much bigger disadvantage than I used to be, right? Uh, because Rogers would be playing in AAA, and I could get video on those games. I could interview people. I could call him up. I could go down there and watch those games. All these options. Satellite squad, I have no idea. I don't know what he's doing out there. I assume he's getting at bats in, and you're going to have to trust the coaches on that. For now, I'll say this. Chris Owings isn't on the team to hit. He can't hit. Look at his numbers. He can't hit. He wasn't acquired. The Rockies didn't think he can hit. He's got a career 180 batting average. Nobody thinks Chris Owings can hit. Uh, you've seen his impact defensively already. That's what he's on the team to do. I think early in the season while the rosters are bigger, that makes sense. And, you know, Rodgers, I think it'll be less related to that. I really think it'll be whenever the coaches go, okay, he's ready. They'll find a spot for him. I know people haven't been impressed by what they've seen out of him at the major league level yet, but that's a real talent. I mean, a real talent there. And, you know, the, the thing is, as long as McMahon and Hampson are kind of holding their own, they're not going to feel like they need him. They can always work him in next year. And I know that would be super disappointing to the young man, but it's, if he's raking it on the satellite team and there's an injury out there, they will call Brendan Rodgers. And then, you know, another star that the Rockies have, Trevor Story. I mean, he'll have to get paid at some point. I mean, do you think there is a conversation about, you know, him and Arenado, you know, if you can only pay one of them, is there a real conversation there? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. There, there is a way for the Rockies to carve out the money for both of them, but it's going to be tough. Uh, and as such, you know, all this with all of the arguing over the opt-out that Nolan Arenado has in his contract, if he ends up taking that, which, by the way, now with the new economics, I think is a lot less likely than it once was, but that could be a blessing in disguise for the Colorado Rockies because they can just turn around and pay all that money to Trevor Story. And at this particular moment in their careers, Trevor Story is the more valuable on-field asset, which is a weird thing to say, I know, but he's a little bit younger. He's more of an athlete. He brings more stuff. He plays a more premium position at shortstop. He can run the bases better. His trajectory is still going upwards. So is Nolan Arenados, by the way, just not as much. And it's crazy that these guys are doing that. But yeah, I, you know, I, I do think that Trevor is just the slightly better bet that, but you'd, you'd rather sign them both. And that makes it difficult to, you know, go out and get the pitching and, and do all of those things, unless one of those guys is willing to give you a discount. But uh, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if they did end up getting out from underneath that Nolan Arenado, or maybe somehow even the Charlie Blackman money. There have been talks about trading him in the past, and that money could go to Trevor's story. But we'll see what happens. They've got a little bit of time before they have to start making those decisions. And then coming up this weekend, obviously the Rockies return home against the San Diego Padres, who have also had a pretty decent start to the year. They play another game tonight, don't they? I mean, what, what are you looking for in that series? I mean, for me, it seems to be you know, a bit of a yardstick to see where the Rockies are within the division after playing two AL West teams. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting matchup for both teams with the Padres sort of being the darlings of the offseason. And it's very much a, a clash of ideologies about how to build teams. The Padres have done some of the most wheeling and dealing over the last several years with Andrew Friedman, and, and they just they make all the moves in the world, and, and they get a lot of credit for it, despite the fact that they haven't really had that much success. They haven't been to the postseason in nearly a decade. Um, where the Rockies make very few moves, and, and it makes them less exciting to, for a lot of people to talk about and, and, and do all these other things, but they've had some success recently, and I think they take it personally that people think that they're done because of last year. I think the Rockies want to you know, come out and show that you know, they finished last in the division last year. The Padres did, not the Rockies. And the Rockies have been to the postseason two of the last three years, and they very much expect to be there again this year. And if you'll recall, really, they were, they were six games above 500 and in a good spot in a midsummer four-game set against the Padres that they should have swept easily and two horrible blown saves um, at the hands of Wade Davis and the rest of the bullpen. Pretty much turned the Rockies' season completely around, and, and it was the beginning of the end for them. And the Rockies remember that. They're not going to lighten up against these guys. They're going to come home playing for keeps. And, and, and I think the Rockies do take it personally. Uh, 
that people keep thinking these Padres are better than they are with no like tangible evidence to show for it. And then obviously it's very early on, but how do you think the NL West is shaping up? Is it kind of how you expected it to? Yeah, I mean, so far, the Giants are not good. Uh, they're not a good baseball team. And uh, the other teams are. You know, the, the Dodgers are obviously extraordinarily talented, but you, you already see some of the, you know, I'm all for Joe Kelly and all that, but you get suspended your eight games. You know, that's your primary setup, man. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Dodgers there where you could see them getting into a little bit of a slump and making the division really a toss-up for all three of those teams uh, between the Dodgers. Uh, well, really, the, I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to stay in it. <clears throat> I think they're going to fade. I don't think they have the depth. Um, I can see the Padres hanging around, though. I think they're overrated. I do think that the Rockies are going to fight for this division now. And it's not just, oh, a 4-1 start is nice. Like, it's a good team. I see more and more holes in the Dodgers. I think the Padres are overrated. But I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be tight uh, between those teams coming down to the final couple weeks. So, kind of, Final thing, um, to get a kind of prediction for this upcoming series against the Padres, and then it's the San Francisco Giants, isn't it? Which uh, both cover what's coming yeah. up in this podcast. Yeah, well, um, you know, <laughs> I think that man, I, I, I really think they keep rolling through it. I think they're gonna take the series from the Padres, um, you know, probably drop a game there because it happens. Uh, you'll love the chances to get a sweep against a team like the Giants that has like dudes I've never heard of batting third. Like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm double checking the roster to be like, wait, who? Um, and, and they feel good. And, and, and I really think the big thing, Thomas, is what I keep saying is like, they're on a roll, but they're not hot. Like they're going to get hot at some point. Nolan Arenado hadn't hit any home runs yet. He's going to hit a home run. I submit he will hit a home run during this homestand. Uh, they tend to, to do well at Coors Field. As we know, it's winning games out on the road that has been the bugaboo for this team for their entire existence. So um, I think it's going to be a great homestand. I, I think Herman Marquez is going to have a Cy Young-like season. I said that before the year, and I'm even more convinced of it now. I think Arenado and Story are going to battle each other and other and probably Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich for National League MVP all year long. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So uh, finally, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this does follow you and DMVR, but if they don't, would you like to just give yourself and DMVR a little plug and where people can subscribe, et cetera? Sure, sure. You can find us at thednvr.com. Uh, also, you just Google that. We'll come up. We're DNVR Rockies on Twitter, Instagram. You know all the social media stuff. We do a podcast uh, every day. Now it's right after the Rockies game ends. We go live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, and we end up saving that for podcasts. We do all kinds of articles. We get players to come on, like when we did the draft, we had Ryan McMahon and Sam Hilliard, and I don't leave anybody out now, and Phil Deal, uh, <laughs> and a bunch of guys on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've had Nolan Arenado on the pod before. With the Zooms, it's been a little bit more difficult getting people in, but yeah, we just, we just talk Rockies baseball every single day, all the time, and we're always happy to, to do that with more people out there. So come say hi. Um, hit me up. Yeah, after get across uh get back across to course field once uh once everything's back to normal hopefully next year and right. uh, catch some rockies games there and you know hopefully they're good again next year as well and uh hopefully they're just good now you know got a little window Ooh. right just, they're just good now i think i think they will be at least until as you were talking about earlier some of these contract decisions come up but for now it's a good baseball team enjoy it folks yeah, so Drew, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on tonight and you know, maybe we'll get you back on later in the year, perhaps previewing a World Series. You never know. Absolutely. Well, hey, if that happens, 100% mark it down, I'll be here. Actually, anytime. Hit me up, Thomas. I'm more than happy to come back. I'd love to. So many thanks to Drew for coming on the show today. We really enjoyed speaking to him there. And now we'll um, move on to the chat that I had with Padres fan Alex Hode. So, I'm delighted to welcome Padres fan Alex to the first ever episode of the Rocktober 
All Over the World podcast. Alex, thanks a lot for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It's a real honour and a privilege to be invited to take part. And Alex, um, you're touching base from your holiday at the moment. We all know about holiday and touching bases, don't we? Um, how, how are you doing at the moment? You look so pleased with yourself for that little joke. Yeah, um, I, I do, I'm going to leave that. It doesn't deserve a response. <laughs> I'm having a very pleasant little break, a staycation um, down in Cornwall, actually. It's very nice. Um, I'm not a proper holiday maker because my in-laws live here, so we're kind of staying with extended family and it's not really like holiday. There is pretty much the entire population of Lancashire seem to be down here at the moment. Like the fish and chip shop was crazy this evening. I'm not going to leave the house again for the next 10 days, I don't think. So, kind of, I suppose, first of all, why are you a, before we get into what's going on at the moment, why, why are you a Padres fan? How did that come about? So, I think for, for British fans, there's, it's kind of a strange one. There's, you fall into a couple of different categories. I'm the old school category, the uh, kind of like late 90s, early noughties, Channel 5 generation. Um, basically, when I went off to uni, no interest in baseball whatsoever. Um, I was like cricket, football, kind of mainstream English stuff, rugby. Um, Got there and basically met a guy first week, freshers week, um, really hit it off with an American guy who was raving about baseball. And um, it just so happens, as you are prone to do at university, Tuesday night, maybe I think it was about 2.30 in the morning, he was like, well, I'm not going to go to bed. Do you want to watch some baseball? And I had nothing else to do at 2.30 on a Tuesday morning. And um, so he put on uh, his team were the Cincinnati Reds. And they were playing on Channel 5 against a team called the San Diego Padres. Never heard of them. No real interest in San Diego or Padres indeed at that point, but I basically decided to root against his team just to try and upset him throughout the night. And do you know what? I really enjoyed it. It was um, it was a fantastic kind of the ebb and flow of that particular game completely wowed me. I think we were leading by two, down by three, and came back to win. And it was just like incredible experience and kind of a, a love was born really. And this was kind of 1999, and um, the internet was like around, but it wasn't amazing then. So I basically spent years waiting for those Channel 5 games, which didn't happen very often for, for the Padres, and kind of looking into um, uh, kind of online commentaries, things like that. West Coast games are really tricky. I mean, as you you guys all know with your mountain time, it's even worse for Pacific time. Trying to uh, stay abreast of games that kind of start at 3.05 in the morning is, is tricky. But um, got through those early days and then was there around for the start of um, MLB TV and which is the BT Sport. And it's kind of, it's never been easier now to, to get involved in baseball and follow baseball and um, yeah, I do like a nice little recap in the morning. Wake up at 6.30 and either watch the last kind of inning or, or a recap of the game that I've just missed. Now I've got kind of like little kids and stuff as well. It's hard to stay up till 3 o'clock to watch a game, I can tell you. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. You've, you've got to tell us about this story of you eating tacos outside Coors Field. Yeah, Illegal Pete's, which was like a real... Um, yeah, that was an indoctrin- indoctrination, I think is the word, into, uh, into like Denver life. Um, so basically... I started the Padres September 2000, and, uh, sorry, September 99 was me and the Padres. It took me nine years pretty much to, to actually get to San Diego. Um, I'd broken up with my missus, had a bit of money, had a job, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. And I flew to San Diego, um, 2008 season, went in August, uh, just around the time when the dollar was like, it was like $2 to the pound. It was a fantastic time to travel, and you know, Britain was king of the world. Um, so basically flew over a long weekend San Diego on my own, went to watch the Padres, went to uh, Petco, which was amazing. Uh, watched us get swept by the Mariners, unfortunately, who were dreadful. I think we lost 105, 110 games that year. We were particularly bad, and we are often bad. That was very bad. Uh, watched Trevor Hoffman, which was like a lifetime ambition for me. Watched him blow a save, which wasn't a lifetime <laughs> ambition of mine. But um, do you know what? I had so much time on my hands that I decided to fly back via Denver, uh, so I watched the Padres lose on the Sunday um, and on the Monday morning, had a nice night out in the gas lamp on the Sunday night. Monday morning, I flew to Denver and uh, Monday night, the Padres were playing at Coors. And um, I actually met someone that I randomly, a friend of mine, met someone at uni who happened to live in Denver. And it was totally random. I've never kind of met these guys before in my life. And I had a fantastic evening uh, sinking frozen pina coladas, watching the Padres getting absolutely slapped. I think we were like 7-2 down after eight innings, and um, I was just enjoying the spectacle. The stadium was great. We went up to the mile high, uh, like the purple line, and um, just had a really nice time. I enjoyed the baseball vibe, and, and then the Padres just went sick and scored eight runs, and it was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It ended up putting 15 on you in that strange part with the no air, 
no gravity. And one like, I think we won 15-8 or something like that. And um, yeah, and there was one other Padres fan in the entire stadium. And I smacked like the perfect high five with a stranger in a, uh, in a San Diego lid on the way out. It was great. And then these random guys took me to Illegal Pete's, Fish Tacos, uh, getting abuse from all these Rockies fans because I had my Padres uh, jersey on. And then I replied in my accent. And they, uh, yeah, they kind of latch onto it. People don't expect to hear English accents coming out of um guys looking very frat-like um, after all the frozen pina coladas and, and fish tacos and padres gear but it's a great story i was only in denver for 20 hours actually from start to finish flew on to new york the next day and then went to the old yankee stadium and then flew home i had a man for oh, what a week if only i could do that now sadly life kind of catches up with you pretty quickly but i had a lot of fun that was my baseball pilgrimage to start me off and never looked back really take it cross field you were came back yeah. believing that was the best baseball stadium in uh, America like the uh, was, rest of us do. It was it was happy it was the happiest. I, do you know what? I've been to I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I've been to some pretty decent stadiums in, in a kind of a lot of different sports now because I also work in in sport and so I've I've had the chance to, to go to a few decent new stadiums as well but I really like it. It was characterful. I like the um kind of like it was just like really chilled. I, th- I guess that's a Colorado thing maybe just like the people were chilled and friendly and it was nice and didn't mind a, a British guy getting kind of tipsy on these these frozen alcoholic cocktails and up in the uh, up on top deck near the near the purple line. It was um, yeah, it was really really good. I enjoyed it. It was the first time I watched the Padres win. Do you know what? The, I I always seem to time my trips to San Diego in with watching home series against the Dodgers, and I hate it because they just take over the stadium and we always lose. We just always seem to be playing Kershaw and always lose. And, Pretty much the only joy I've had in like the first 10 years of, of going to watch Padres games was against the Rockies, I'm very sorry to say, but God love them. I um, I really strongly dislike most of the teams in the NL West, but the Rockies, I, I kind of have a soft spot. And having been to, to cause it, it definitely, I do have a soft spot. And if it wasn't for that Matt Holiday thing that you mentioned earlier on, maybe I'd even quite like you, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that probably yeah. deserved watching them win after what you'd been through the uh, year before. So, uh yeah, I needed that closure to be in the stadium where I could see the home plate that he didn't touch and, <laughs> and mention that to everyone that was sat around me. Like there was a big empty space around me by kind of like five or six innings in, I think. I, people were bored of the, the British guy. Right, so yeah, let's let's move on a bit to current times, which is, I mean, it's been a great start for both of our, both of our teams. Um, the Padres, four and two, you've got another game tonight as well, haven't you, before... The series yeah, starts. We've got to win that because we, we, we're at the Giants and uh, we gave up a four-run lead. I thought we were coasting. I thought we were going to sweep them because the Giants aren't a good team and um, basically managed to just completely choke and, and throw away a four-run lead and lose 7-6 to the walk-off, which is not very pleasant. Um, hopefully, they'll get that out of their system and, um, and nick the series and go to five and five and two, ready to come into uh, to cause on, on Friday. Is this the sort of start you expected? It's, you know, it's really tricky because... I, I remember at the start of the season, I was really positive and I, I, I think I spoke to you guys for one of the podcasts and, and like previewing the season, I was pretty bullish about our chances and kind of when everything gets put back, it, it kind of it goes to the back of your mind and to be honest, I'm, I'm still not sure if a sprint actually helps us because we're so streaky and it could easily be that we'll go and kind of lose eight out of 10 game stretch and that's pretty much the season done. When every one of these 60 games we're playing counts for pretty much three. Um, so every win is it's three wins. It's everything's so intense, and we are very capable of going on a decent hot streak. But God, when we're bad, we are really bad. Um, and yeah, it's it's difficult to tell at the moment because you kind of look at who you've played, and I mean, we played the D-backs who I thought they might be all right. I figured they'd be better perhaps than they were last year. But then you can only kind of tell after a few series just to work out who's actually as good as they were advertised to be, and um, and perhaps not. I mean, the Giants at the moment, which split series. If we lose a season a series to the Giants, and well, we won three running against the D-backs. If those two are dreadful teams, then maybe we're not so great either. So maybe maybe another kind of two weeks, something like that, which will be another, what, 10, 11 games. We'll have a better idea. Once people have started to play each other, we'll be able to see who's strong and who's not. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of for the Rockies and Pad- as well. You've played two divisional teams already, but for the Rockies in particular, this, this seems like it could be a big yardstick. If, you know, if someone sweeps this series, then that, that could give us a much better idea of where both teams are and so who are we looking at who's going to be stepping up to the uh, pitcher's mound for the Padres obviously they'll be hoping for a better you know last I remember last year we had the uh, mad series when all hell broke loose didn't we I think you probably 
I can't remember yeah. who won all the games, but the Padres <laughs> definitely won a couple of them, 15, yeah. 14 or whatever. This is the thing that... It... <sighs> As much as I as I enjoy the, the spectacle of a game, I, I'm I'm one of these weird purists kind of. I'd love a two-one, just like a fantastic, like a pitcher's duel, small ball, like bunt the winning run over the line. I don't care what it is, like sacrifice, squeeze anything. I used to really like that. I Bud Black did the best that anyone has ever done it basically when he was with the Padres. The small ball, 2010 season when we so nearly made the playoffs, and that was the last time we got anywhere close. That was. Um, that was really special. I love that kind of like scrappy thing where everything counts. Whereas I don't like the whole, the, the 15 runs were great to watch when I was in the stands at, at cause that time, but I kind of feel like you have to earn a run. It shouldn't be like giving away like a free t-shirts and stuff like flung into the crowd. You shouldn't just automatically expect to rock up and hit like six, seven, eight, nine. Um, so it's going to be interesting because there's some decent pitches out this weekend. I know um, Friday night's John Gray, I think for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Loves, he loves to beat us. Um, I can't even, I'm not sure he's got 10 wins against us, I know that, and he's not played us that often. Um, and his ERA, he's, he's also better at home, he's one of these quirky pitches, as I think his record is better at cause than it is away, which is always a bit alarming. Um, but he's up against Garrett Richards, who's um, he's actually never pitched in Colorado, so God knows what he's going to think. Um, he was with the Angels for a lot of that. Um, but he started pretty well, he started against the, the D-backs in um, uh, no runs in, in five innings, so he actually did pretty well. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's the one. It, I think whoever wins the first one will probably go on and win the, se- the series because the other two I can see going either way. But that's that's kind of like the big one. Garrett Richards is a bit of an unknown quantity. He's only pitched one game for us, and um, hey, he was decent the other day. But it's tricky. These guys are. I mean, John Gray's pitched the other day, didn't he? But he got tired quickly, and it's tricky because they're coming yeah. in without yeah. much practice. Um, that's the thing that we're doing this year. That the Padres have never done. Like we are always pretty much the worst team offensively in baseball. Like ever since we moved to Petco, I think it's actually statistically we are the worst team <laughs> offensively in baseball because that's 15 straight seasons. Um, but what we're doing this year is already you can see the difference that Jace Tingler's come in and the the patience and like the discipline at play is something we've never ever had. Um, and all of a sudden from like bottom of the table, we've gone right up to like the top three or four in most offensive categories like the number of pitches we've taken is is extraordinary like the walks is insane it's never ever going to stay that way but they started off basically they look like they've listened to him taken on board his um kind of philosophy and they're looking to just grind out where pitches down all the starting pitches we face basically have been chased off in four or five innings so far and if they can get into him get into john gray on friday night just make him throw a couple of extra ones each um each inning and um, each batter then that's Get into the bullpen, that's basically the plan because we're so stopped in terms of relief pitches that it's not so much of a problem for us. That, um, I mean, you'd hope someone can go five innings and actually hand them over and get a quality start, but if we can um, kind of put the pressure on every single batter, we've got a pretty static lineup these days. If you exclude the, the catches and generally the designated hits, is not really working out for us so far either. But, um, yeah, we've, we've, we've got some pop and we've got some guys brought guys like Tommy Pham and Trent Grisham who are like there to stay. They're not going to give away their, their out cheaply. They're definitely going to make you earn it. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that's, that Friday night game is going to be interesting. Hopefully I'll find a way of watching that if I can on holiday because that'll be the one pivotal one for the weekend, I think, which could set us up nicely. Hey, if we win that, I'm not going to say we don't sweep you. Well, we can rule that one out, I think. Um, I mean, you, you've managed to avoid uh, Herman Marquez, haven't you? Uh, he's pitched last game so he did he was good last night wasn't he you've got, you've got away with that one there um mm. which, which guys have kind of jumped out to a hot start with the bat mm. I, haven't, I haven't seen the padres too closely who are you expecting to come in and maybe do it's, some it's damage your, it's, it's your usual guys i mean there's a guy that you might have heard of that's that's getting a little bit of attention called fernando tatis jr who's might have gonna, heard of him yeah you might have he's, yeah people have mentioned him it's going to be kind of a big deal um so he's he's one of these guys. He's just always going to do something that'll get him onto onto Sports Center at the end of the night. There'll be some kind of a highlight, real play, a shortstop, or, or hit a ridiculous. The other day in San Francisco, he hit a ridiculous opposite field homer, which he had no right to get anywhere near. And uh, he's got a lot of pop and just kind of a lot of star power, basically. He's um, yeah, he's he's basically makes the, the narrative about him. He started pretty well, strikes out too much, but hopefully with uh, with age that will kind of calm down a little bit and his discipline will improve. There's other guys you've probably heard of, like Manny Machado, who's um, a couple of homers already. He's fairly, fairly low-key. When he hits, they tend to be homers at the moment. Um, 
but generally they spread it around pretty well, just kind of getting on base. And um, uh, we had uh, one game, uh, Hosmer, Eric Hosmer was like fantastic, um, like rekindling of him because he's been like the Padres fans have kind of been on his back a lot the last couple of years, such a big contract. And um, I think he's enjoying having kind of like other big name players around him to take the, the heat off them a little bit. So he's basically ill at the moment and he's only playing alternate games for some weird reason it's not covid don't worry it's um like some kind of gastroenteritis issue but basically he's playing alternate games and he's still like lead, i think he's second in the league and in, in rbis he got six in one game against the d-backs and um yeah he's looking really really good so hopefully i'm trying to work out if he's going to play he should in theory play tonight against the uh, the giants so you might be lucky and you might not have him on friday we'll have to wait and see but We've got some. Uh, we've got some players. Just, just get them on base. That's the key for us this year. Get them on base, and we've got some, some quick players as well. Some, some steals coming up, and um, yeah, see if we can't do some damage. Yeah, so you've seen a lot more of the uh, NL West early on, more than me. So I mean, obviously it's early days, but how do you see that shaping out? Where, where do you think the teams will be? You know, come a couple of months' time. It's, it's really tricky, as, as you said. To, I, kind of, if you ask me again in 10, 10 days or so from now, I'll, I'll have a, a much better idea. I'd still say, generally, if anyone's going to, if you finish above the Dodgers, you're probably going to win the division. Uh, they seem to be, well, it's quite interesting to watch the, the, like the Houston series. They obviously had a bit on it and they, uh, they got that sweep. They, you've got the best record. The Rockies have the best record in baseball, I think, at the moment. And the Padres are, are only one behind. And, uh, I think it was you and the Twins are the only teams with better records than the Padres. I don't necessarily see that kind of staying put. I'm not sure if 800 is realistic for you or, or <laughs> sort of 650 Probably realistic not. for us. But um, yeah, it's going to be about the games. There are two series, I think, against sort of home and away against each team. So these games are huge. Like this is a three-game set. Win two of them. That's that's got to be your thing. Just just try and get something to show. If you can't win two, then obviously take your one and get out of there. But Two wins in, a, in an away series, in a three-game series, is, is huge. And um, this is, yeah, really, I like the fact that every game kind of means more because I've always kind of bought into that 162 games is, is, is a very long season. And it almost means that you, I feel like it takes a little edge away sometimes because, yeah, okay, we've lost, but there's another one tomorrow or, or sometimes there's another one this afternoon even. Like, I, I like the fact this is going to be properly intense and a sprint pretty much from start to finish. And... And hopefully that we can keep pace. We've got a tricky run, obviously, coming. We've got the Dodgers. We've got some, got some nasty opponents coming up as well. And just try and get a bit of a run, bit of a run going. Try and win, well, win more games than you lose, but certainly try and win like maybe three out of four every, uh, every week and, and then reassess. But it started really well. I can't complain about anything so far. Have you Padres had a day off yet? Uh, we have had one. Yeah. We, I think, did we have one between? Actually, did we? I can't, I'm trying to think back. Is it Sun? No, it can't have been Sunday. So, no, we haven't then. Because it would have no. been we played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, so we've played one more than you, and you're not playing tonight. So yeah, we've, we've, got two two, we've had two days yeah. off already. Yeah. So. There you go. So, that's not fair, is it? Who showed you that? <laughs> well, I think we've got extra rare. We've got one day off now in like the next 35 or something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So, we need to make the most of this rest this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, well, it works both ways because also you, you need the guys. I mean, certainly the pitching, they, they kind of need to get those miles kind of under their belt, really. They need those pitches. And, yeah, they, I mean, I'm not sure it was. Well, a couple of ours have been pulled already because they've been getting up towards kind of 60 pitches and they're trying to keep them at that limit. Um, but then in theory, the next time it will be 75 or 80 and, and kind of work quite gradually that way. So in theory, that might put you at a disadvantage because you've kind of got guys that haven't thrown as much yet and might, might kind of wear down a little bit quicker. But... Yeah, we haven't, we haven't seen our fifth start. We start we've only used four starters so yeah. far because of how it's fallen, and we won't see the fifth starter until the uh, I think until we play the Giants um, yeah. early next week. So yeah, so someone's going to be a bit rusty there. Maybe they'll get a long relief. So we've got we've got two, three, four. Is it Freeland on Saturday and who is it on Sunday? Uh, Centatella. Centatella. Yeah. yeah. It's probably yeah. the weaker of the. Uh, you've seen but he managed to scratch out a good enough start um when he pitched who did he pitch again he said he played against oakland that, i think yeah, i saw that oakland, he's a, it, yeah yeah he's another one he was a bit over the all over the place at the start but then actually settled down which is kind of like yeah that's, we need to kind of hope that we get some more of that as well because we're saturday you've got um freeland we've got uh joey lucchese who's known as joey fuego on account of his fight he's a bit of a the 
it's like old school major league wild thing in terms of like flamethrower, but you're never quite sure exactly where it's going to go. And um, that, that obviously gives you a, uh, an opportunity. But the way he's kind of worked out, he's almost in tandem with, um, with Cal Quantrill, who's basically come in for him. They've kind of almost like, we were, Padres are always the ones that talk about having an opener rather than a closer. Um, but they basically, Joe Lucchese, I'm not sure how, if he's going to go three, four, five, six, I don't think so. So he might end up doing two or three. And then you have Cal Quantrill come in and, uh, and maybe have another two or three behind him. And that's just kind of like a weird extra starter, kind of deep, uh, long relief. It depends on how you call it. But yeah, we're kind of quirky with the way things are doing. We haven't actually announced these starters either, by the way. It's just, they tend to do it the day or two before. We might get them after the game tonight or tomorrow. So sometimes it's 24 hours. It's, um, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, based on, especially how the Rockies have gone so far, it could be an interesting, I mean, pitching duel. As what the, I mean, the Padres' bullpen, I take it, struggled last night. The Rockies' yeah. bullpens looked pretty good, surprisingly, so far. Yeah. Apart from last night, how has the Padres' pen been looking? Uh, I mean, to be fair, really good. Um, I mean, that's generally is our strength. I mean, it was, it was a bad night at the office. It was like Craig Stammen, who a lot of people didn't want extended, got given a, a, a decent wedge of cash actually to stay um gave up uh um oh, I can't remember. we were up by four and he gave up three and then we gave up the, the walk off as well at the end um it wasn't him but uh, yeah it was yeah not a, not a good night at the office really there were some mistakes you should never lose if you're up by four you shouldn't lose to anyone really um it was a pretty base i think we just perhaps relaxed a little bit and we were, I think we were four up in the, the previous game early on as well, and we kind of coasted through that. I think maybe we just thought it was too easy. I thought that the work was done and a um, couple of dodgy walks and uh, and give up the bomb, and then that's the thing. Any team will come back at you. And um, with the, the no home fans behind them, they roared to the walk-off. It was, um, yeah. You don't want to be losing too many to the Giants, I'm pretty sure. So a lot a lot rides on, uh, on tonight for us as well. Because if we come in with a win, another series win under our belt, come in to you with a bit of confidence and... Yeah, if we lose tonight, then I'll feel a little bit more trepidation going into uh, to John Gray on Friday. Right. So I know you've got another game, but let's let's give me a prediction for the series. Uh, I assume you probably think the Padres will win it, but um, pick a scoreline. See, normally I'm so doom and gloom about all these things. Like for years and years, I've always been like the most like negative. If you're negative about something, you can't possibly be disappointed if it if, if it happens and. So I'd normally say now we'll get swept. It'll be, we'll, we'll lose three. Um, do you know what? I'm going to say, I, d- I don't think either team will sweep. I think it'll be 2-1 one, one way or the other. Um, it's going to go down to their first game. I'm going to, do you know what? I'm going to back Garrett Richards. I'm going to say he's, uh, I don't think he, he'll go, he won't, his ERA, he'll have an ERA after this game. Let's put it that way. Um, but I reckon we'll win the first one and win the third one. There you go. To, uh, to to clinch the rubber, so we'll call it we'll call it two one Padres, and uh, and see where that stands. Because I don't know how good the Rangers are. I don't know how good the A's are either. And you, you've made no, yeah. pretty much so far. So it'd be interesting to kind of work out how good they are, how good you are, and you can work out from us how good the D backs are and uh, and the Giants as well. Yeah, so. I think the Rangers beat the D backs, didn't they? So well, there you go then. Fine. So, so you're, you're saying you're sweeping us. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to cling on to that as that meet by. You know, some dodgy maths and work it out that the Rockies are therefore better than the yeah. Padres. But, um, well, you can say that with all confidence for at least another 29 hours or something like that, and then we'll find <laughs> out tomorrow night and yes, revisit this afterwards. I just like the fact that, um, that the D backs, um, uh, uh D backs UK guy uh, at the start of the season was very bullish about finishing above the Rockies and the Padres, I believe. And, um, yeah, it's, not, it's nice to see people like falter out the gate at the start anyway when they've made big. Bold predictions, and hopefully, long may that continue. It'd be nice if the Dodgers started faltering as well, but um, we can it was, dream. It was, it was a very strange feeling because the whole Astros thing, like seeing the um, the Kelly kind of not plunk, but like the the headshot that wasn't, and then like the whole mocking uh, career as he walked off as well. Like it was, it was incredible. If it had been any team other than the Dodgers, I'd have loved it. And been really yeah, I know. Uh, I'm in the same boat. It's, it's very, very tricky because, um, yeah, I, I really don't like anything about what uh, what the Astros did. But it's tricky to like anything the Dodgers do either, to be honest. So I just, I have to take it as a kind of like almost like a a draw of, um, of emotion. But hey, it was, it was kind of good fun to watch as well. Right. I think that just about wraps us up. Do you want to kind of plug your 
social media and where people can give you a follow? Uh, you can, by all means, yeah. Um, you can give me a, a follow at Alex Hode Sports on Twitter. That's generally where I do most of my stuff. I've been very quiet lately because it's been a very strange, weird summer without sport. But you'll see a lot, go for my likes and you'll see loads of different things and generally sports from all around the world. And um, yeah, a lot of Padre stuff as well. I'm just hoping this, this weekend that we see one of our catchers do something other than catch. Um, that would be really nice. If one of them could like get a bat within about a foot of a baseball, that would be excellent. Because um, Austin Hedges, there's like a massive... Austin Hedges is more unpopular than Donald Trump in America at the moment, um, given his just complete lack of ability at uh, offensive baseball. It's like one of the things, the Padres Twitter is quite famous for being harsh, and my God, they're going for him at the moment. But for good reason. He's, um, he's incredibly frustrating. One of the best, genuinely one of the best defensive catchers in the game one of the most historically bad offensive players that has ever played the game. So hoping that he can finally break out of his slump. He needs, I think, I think it's about 17 consecutive hits to get back to kind of about average uh, for the season. So, yeah. Yeah, now you see, I mean, Tony Walters is a great defensive catch. I think two years ago, he hit an average of 170, but got the winning run in the wildcard game. And then last year, I think he was up around... 260 with like five hard hit balls and then he's hit eight hardly hit, hard hit balls already this season so um, uh, not quite sure what's going on there but long may it continue and hopefully uh, Hedges can start playing well in by, on Monday oh, there we go. I thought you were going to be really kind and charitable then fine I'll well, take it. Maybe, maybe that weird thin air up there maybe that'll help him who knows yeah, he can score a run as long as we score a few more um, there's, there's every chance. I don't think it's going to be nil-nil, I'll be honest with you. No, I think there'll be runs, yes. runs to be had there. But, um, yeah, Alex, thanks a lot for coming on. Much appreciated. And uh, Thank you for having me. Good luck with the podcast. Good luck yeah, with the season, you. apart from the games against us. And, um, <laughs> I'm happy for you to have the wild card if we win the division. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, and might get you back on to preview the uh, NLCS. Uh, that would be, do you know what, I'd, I'd appreciate that, yeah. And, and also, hey, we've got plenty more games to come, so we can always look back on these times and and laugh about how we got swept and being 19 nil and yeah that'd be great and that just about wraps up today's show thanks to alex and drew for coming on this first ever october all over the world podcast thanks to everyone for tuning in and we'll be back next week after hopefully the rockies continue this winning streak <laughs>